Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. You know what Christy Mathewson wasn't worried about? S-I-E-R-A. When you're thinking about Pedro Siriaco, I mean, the only one that can compete is maybe uh, Hannes Wagner's 1908 season. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. Like, if we just clip together every time we've talked about him on other people's profiles, we've done a Mickey Cochran episode. I can't get past Rabbit Marinville. It's it's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever. I am your host, Chris Gianta. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I'm doing very well. I got a brand new mic today, which I'm very, very excited about. So I'm ready to get into it because I've been looking forward to this ever since I ordered the, the mic, which was, I guess, only a couple of days ago. But uh, it's here and I'm ready to record with it. Yeah. And uh, luckily, I've diagnosed a problem from uh, from my end for the past couple episodes. I did not notice my microphone was uh, not really on for the past for last episode. And unfortunately, for our segment coming up later on in the episode, I will not be mic'd up either. But luckily, that problem is solved. I will be and, with a different mic that isn't this one. Yeah. Um, and uh, that segment later on is the second edition of Kyle's Questions. Yep. Uh, you know, our, you know, probably, uh, probably our best guest in terms of, you know, delivering, delivering good, good radio, I would say. He's uh, always on the ball, uh, always brings good energy to the show Definitely. and, and uh, delivers some, delivers some questions that we didn't, we hadn't really discussed on the show beforehand outside of like no hitters, but uh, you know, that's, that's always good. That's why we have him have him on, but uh, yeah, anyway, kind of a slow news week thus far outside of the fact that uh, all-star ballots uh, just came out. That's right. Uh, every year, I hope that this day doesn't come, but it always does because I'm going to be upfront with you, Chris. I don't like all-star game voting. I haven't liked it since the Royals fans stuffed the ballots in 2015. It gives me PTSD every single time. And I know that there's ne- never been anything since that, except for like maybe the Cubs fans in 2016, but that was a little more deserved just because everyone on, on that team was really good. But yep. I just, I'm not a fan of all-star game voting. There's something that makes me really angry every single year and it's going to be the case again this year which i i feel like i kind of just have to accept but you know they give the fans a voice and every year i say that the fans shouldn't have a voice in this subject i think the only time they should give the fans the the voice is in the final vote i don't know if they still do that but uh i'm okay with it and you know i really wish there was a different way of doing it but you know what all-star game voting has come again and i think uh to honor the occasion we will be filling out our all-star game ballots yeah and um this is this is definitely the first it might be the last you know depending on depending on uh how much i don't think they're ever going to end it but i mean in terms of last like there's this uh all-star voting is going to be going on for about a month i would imagine yeah um oh remember when they would open it in like mid-april yep like (laughs) yeah well so when they moved it back Back to June, I was like, oh, are they just not doing it this year? Like, let's go. And then they eventually were. Because, man, like, it it would have been – I would have been a lot more for it had they had it start in June, like, when 
the all-star game actually mattered now it doesn't matter and they're actually making a little more sense yeah it does it's... didn't they do that thing where like they added another round of voting where it's like it's like the top five of every position like they start a new round like i think i remember them doing that at some point like 2018 2019 yeah the uh wonder if they might have done they might have done that. Uh, Let me check to see if they're still doing that. I'll check MLB's Twitter page, but I don't know. That sounds familiar. Uh, it does. So, yeah, that might be true. Um, but yeah, like the fact the fact that it happened in a game that actually that actually mattered that actually yeah, provided mean, home doesn't. field advantage to World Series teams was ridiculous. But now, now the All Star Game is kind of fun so now now i don't mind it as much because it doesn't count yeah, but when okay. it counted so phase one of all-star game voting is june 3rd which is today through june 24th and then phase two is june 28th through july 1st so i guess i mean we'll do uh we'll do, we'll do our two. ballots today and then we'll do our ballots on june 28th yep yep we, that's uh that's a good idea um but yeah uh the fact that there was all-star game voting when the game actually happened is still yeah. ridiculous. Like Omar Infante almost started at second base for the American League in 2015. Right. And, you know, actually, the <laughs> it's funny because the Royals actually probably should have been mad that that was happening because, you know, they went on to go to the World Series that year. And uh, they could have not, like, the, you know, the, the American League ended up winning that game but if they had how much of the contributions actually were from the Royals though? Yeah. Right. I remember Mike Trout homered in the first off Zach Greinke, who was like one of two non-Royal starters in that game. Yep. Yep. Um, I imagine most of them were pulled after like the third inning. Yeah. The AL didn't score again until the fifth inning. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, but yeah, like if, if you're the Royals secretly, you're like, I don't really want, uh, I don't really want Omar and Fonte out there. Can we put out a Cano or Altuve so we can have a, yeah. so we can try to get, get this home field advantage. So the next American league runs came on a Prince fielder single and then, and then a Lorenzo Cain double, but you know what? Lorenzo Cain like actually deserved to be there. He finished third in the MVP voting that season. He's the one guy like, or one of the few guys that actually deserve to be there. And then a Manny Machado double, a Prince Fielder line out, and then a Brian Dozier home run. Those were all the American League runs. So the only Royal that actually did stuff is the one guy who, like, deserved to be there more than anyone else. Right. Uh, yeah, Lorenzo Cain. Um, all right, yeah. That, so <laughs> kind of funny how that worked out. Yeah, if, if you're the Royals, you want – whoever the best American league shortstop was instead of Amer uh, instead of Alcides uh, Escobar. Yeah. I'm trying to think who that would be though. The best um, American league. Shortstop. I mean, I can look it up. Who came in for Escobar in that game? I don't have it pulled up anymore, but I can check who the best shortstop was in the 2015 first half in the American league. Yeah. Um, Cause I remember I remember the famous Derek Jeter's last All-Star game. It was Alexi Ramirez who came yep. in. Oh, wow. Uh, it was Xander Bogarts. Oh, yeah. He didn't even I mean, make it that year because he was. I remember he was on the final vote and he got snubbed. Yeah, it was – to be fair, Alcides Escobar was second 
in terms of wins above replacement at least, but he did have a 91 weighted runs created plus uh, in the first half. But granted, this is 2015 and he had a 290 average. And I feel like 2015 was like sort of the last year, in my opinion, where like, at least for me, when I started, when I like stopped looking at batting average religiously. Yeah. Yeah. Around there, especially like, you know, start of the stat cast era. Exactly. I guess maybe, maybe your, maybe our, uh, our baseball brains advance after that. Um, but yeah, that was kind of our stance on uh, all-star voting. But now, now we kind of look at the, uh, we kind of look at the ballot. Should I screen share the ballot and see what it is? And, you know, we can, we can go between tabs. I mean, I have mine pulled up as well. So I guess you can, if you want. All right. I, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll hold off for now, but yeah. Uh, some of these are probably going to be very easy. Yep. Um, so I think, yeah, so they have it first at uh, first base and, you know, it's American League and National League. And uh, obviously you, you got to go Vladdy Jr. Mm-hmm. At, in the American League. Uh, and then on the other side. I would say Max Muncy. Yeah, Max Muncy, who's yeah. been maybe the hottest, like one of the hottest hitters of the past month um and he's had a great season 964 964 ops uh so then you go on to second base or Mm -hmm. yeah second base and american league i guess you could say i would say marcus simeon marcus simeon uh (laughs) because we're you kind of have to ignore the savant stats yeah when you're doing this because man he is he's like probably the third or fourth luckiest according to you know the difference between woba and expected woba but you know he's he's definitely uh, earned his way onto the uh into the starting spot thus far this year um and then national league i feel like you go adam frazier you could go adam frazier he is the fourth lowest strikeout right in the league the only thing that would probably stop me is maybe jazz chisholm because you know he did miss some time with an injury uh, he has a 128 Weighted runs created plus, and I believe Frazier's is a 111. Um, mm-hmm. Something like that. I could – let me just check. Let's let's um, take a look at the National League second baseman wins above replacement leaderboards. Well, it's not going to show Chisholm because he doesn't qualify, but he is 1.1 in the limited amount of games he's played. Uh, Frazier is 1.6. Oh, no, he's a 143 weighted runs created plus. Yeah, I'll take Frazier. I'll take Adam Frazier. Yeah, let's look well. at or yeah, go to minimum plate appearances at at zero. Yep. And then it would be Muncie number one, who's actually a first baseman. This is on Fangraphs. And then number two, you got Adam Frazier, and then after him, Cronenworth, Albies, Wong, McMahon. But Ch- uh, Chisholm, he could make up ground if uh, in the next month if he continues his pace. Yeah, Frazier's been uh, pretty good. Yeah, three stolen bases, a, a 143 weighted He's runs. He's been excellent. Plus. Um, the one shining star on the Pirates, you never know who it's going to be. But uh, this I mean, we all thought it would be Cabrian Hayes, but he got hurt, obviously. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We, we thought it would be him, but so not at all. This is very weird. For third baseman, um, Chris Bryan is listed as an outfielder on Fangraphs, but a third baseman on MLB.com. Um, is he just not in the third base rankings altogether? 
No. In in the National League, that's uh, huh. a little odd. Yeah. Yeah, I know he's been at first base a little bit when Anthony Rizzo was out for a couple games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interest interesting. I mean, he's been probably he's been the best National League third baseman if you count him as a third baseman. Yeah, he has been. Um, American League third baseman is probably the most interesting thus far that we've done. I would uh, say I did him for a how about that recently, so I would say Yohan Moncada. And I also yeah. just think I mean he's like he leads all uh, third baseman, all third baseman in F four with a two point five, uh, unless you count Chris Bryant. I'm assuming he is more than that. He's one of the be- he's one of the better players in the league. He has the best weighted runs created plus of any third baseman. He has the best woba of everyone I think besides Jose Ramirez. Um, I you know he's a really good walk rate for a second baseman, which is not traditionally a position where you see a lot of walks or for third base even. Um, and obviously the 429 BABIP is just is glorious. So I'm going to put Yohan Moncada uh, at third base for the American League. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm probably going to lean that way as well because of this mm-hmm. discrepancy in wins above replacement. But it's worth noting um, some of the other candidates. Or actually, let me put the minimum plate appearances back on to qualified before before I start talking. But uh, it's like I pointed it out before the show. It's very interesting the uh, difference in how like Devers and Mankata are uh, are ranked in OPS versus weighted runs created plus because yeah. Uh, Rafael Devers has a 67 point advantage in OPS. However, he's he trails Mankata by three points in weighted runs created plus. So I think that should be noted somewhat. And uh, I think another good uh, honorable mention is Jose Ramirez, who has an 882 OPS, 137 weighted runs created plus, along with six stolen bases. So, and you know, you know, he can do it defensively. You know, he can uh, perform well on the bases as well. Um, but I think the, there's a, about a half point difference in F war with Yoan Mankata, um, being better. Yeah. Dev Devers, Devers is, uh, very good at driving in runs. I think he's been pretty good with runners. Well, I mean, he's got an excellent, like he's got Bogarts and Martinez usually ahead of him and Verdugo as well. So it makes sense. I would imagine he has more opportunities with runners in scoring position. I'm going to look at the last thing I will look at is outs above average just right. to see, just to see what's happening. So is, we're looking at Devers. Chris is going to go with. I'm still, I'm still leaning towards Moncada, but the OPS difference, I, I do not know if, um, if the park factor is that uh, disparate. I do not know if, uh, like maybe maybe it's different for left-handed batters, but it's harder to be a left-handed batter at, at Fenway than it is, it is a right-handed very, batter. Yeah. So I don't know. It's, I uh, guess I mean Moncada's a switch hitter, so it's pretty tough to look at that with him. Yeah, I'm a. Uh, I'm gonna go with Moncada because he has a yeah. strong, strong advantage defensively. Uh, so yeah, I'll go with Moncada for now, and I guess and- I don't know, but. And actually, last 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 thing, I'm gonna look at the park factor for Fenway and the park factor for guaranteed uh, rate field. Guaranteed rate, um, according to Baseball Reference. 
Yeah, and I mean that is there are some discrepancies, but I don't think Fangraphs. I think Fangraphs is the only of the three like main websites that doesn't have park factors because Savan just added them like maybe a month ago, probably not even. Yeah, so uh, Fenway is a, a little bit of over a hundred, and um, guaranteed rate is a little over ninety for like the one year. I think um, I don't know what the differences between those two but uh you kind of have to trust it and uh mancata has a 146 ops plus devers has a 152 but uh mancata definitely has the uh defensive advantage so yeah i'll go with mancata all right national league chris bryant i would go with chris bryant um i think it's very weird that fangraphs lists him as an outfielder but on here, he's listed as a third baseman, so I'll go with him. I think if the, the next closest would be Austin Riley. He was another how about that of mine. And even below him is Evan Longoria. So that's two how about that's. But I'll, I'd go with Chris Bryant, who is one of your how about that's. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Correct. Um, American League shortstops. Funnily enough, uh, Adalberto Mondesi is listed is, as his the highest OPS plus. Didn't he, didn't he just go back on the IL? I mean – just based on the note, he has two home runs and five RBI. He can't be, uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> he can't be qualified at all. No. Um, I, I would go with Bogarts and Tatis. I think that's not that difficult. Yeah. Uh, definitely, uh, seems that way. Yeah. Uh, Mondesi has played seven games this year. So yep. if you want to vote for him, uh, you know, go ahead and vote for him. But you know, I believe in, I believe in playing more than seven games to earn the all-star vote uh yeah hot take hot take for me all right right. i'm gonna agree with you there with uh devers and tatis wait well devers and tatis or no bogarts and and (laughs) um mike zanino has been the king of iso this year and man you know what's funny is i've uh i've been looking at these at the you know how savant has the home run leaderboards with like expected home runs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. doubters no doubters mostly gones like mike mike zanino is the king of no doubters like when yeah. he gets a home run it's crazy every single time well did, didn't he have like a 118 mile an hour home run the other week uh i wouldn't be surprised i, I don't know if i saw it but oh, i would not I, be surprised yeah. but yeah, yeah I like say- Above. It's crazy. I want to see where his ISO ranks among qualifiers because he's not qualified just because he's a catcher. Most yeah, catchers to, aren't, but his ISO is, is larger like than Acuna's. Like 100 plate appearances. Plate appearances. Yep. His ISO among uh, 247 hitters with a... with Wow. His ISO among 247 qualified hitters with um, 120 plate appearances ranks second behind Fernando Tatis Jr. He is a 400. Zanino is a 345. It's not even close. <laughs> and Tatis is still hitting 293. Mike Zanino's got a solid 207, 287, 552 with a 134 weighted runs created plus. The dude only hits extra base hits every now and <laughs> like one once in every five plate appearances. That's kind of how it felt in the playoffs. Yeah. Like um, he got his one every series and that was kind of it. Yeah, we were always calling like the Mike Zanino moonshot in the playoffs. Like it's gonna happen eventually. Yeah, he's due. 
he's going to hit 075 in this series, but he will get his home run. And they were always nicely timed home runs too. Yeah. Like he hit one off Jay Happ in that second game where the Rays won by, I think, one or maybe two. Um, he hit one in one of the ALCS games that the Rays won, and he hit one in the wild card series, but those are never close. Right. Yeah, so Mike Zanino would be my um, American League catcher. Buster Posey would probably be my National League catcher, which is pretty hilarious. Yeah, right. Yeah, uh, Buster Posey. He was one of my how about that's, and he's having like a very good comeback year uh, as he opted out last year. And uh, one of the main, probably one of the main reasons the Giants have been contenders. Uh, he's been one of the major differences for them. Uh, all right. So we have left the infield and the battery mates. Uh, now we get into the outfield where you can select three. So it's a pretty open field. Um, in general, so uh, I'm I'm trying to take a look at all the outfielders because there's a long list, obviously. Um, wh- what's uh, what's on your mind? So I'm I'm pretty set on two AL outfielders. I'm just questioning the, the third because I'm definitely going Mike Trout because I think he should be back by the All Star break and he's available. So I'm just going to vote for him. He's still got 198 weighted runs created plus, and I'm going to go with Aaron Judge. Um, not much need. I don't think much needs to be said there for my third. I'm very torn. I'm thinking possibly Austin Meadows. I'm thinking possibly Mark Canna. I'm thinking possibly Adelise Garcia. Um, I think it would be between those three. Yeah. They're all with, they're all within three points of weighted runs, weighted runs created plus even like, I don't know, Mitch Hanniger or Austin Meadows is a possibility. Well, I already said Austin Meadows. Oh, you did? I said Meadows, Garcia, and Canna. Yeah. I mean, it's something where it's definitely going to change. Yeah. Uh, that one's that one is tentative to change. But I would, if I had to pick right now, I would say, I would say Garcia just because of the expectations heading into the season compared to where he's at now. I know that it might not be sustainable because his, like, his strikeout to walk percentage is, like, pretty bad. Yep. Yeah. yeah, right. Um, can we address how crazy it is that Byron Buxton still leads in yep. American League outfielder F four, despite missing half the season? It's very insane. And he didn't. He is he he's back yet? You know? Yes. No. I mean, if he comes back, I could probably change his change to him and have Buxton, Trout, and Judge. Right. Um, and now outfield's pretty easy. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. It's mm-hmm. it's weird because uh, it's it's like when um. Key Brian Hayes, I think, led National League rookies in F war playing like 20 games. It was wild. Like, because, you know, he ha- he had like, you know, a-, a weighted runs created plus of over 200 or something like that. Very good defense. It was like 215. Yeah. Like, that's what that's what Buxton did. He had platinum platinum glove def- type defense, uh, a 224 weighted runs created plus, but only in 24 games. Yep. Otherwise, he would be the clear MVP favorite, um, but has missed about has missed over half the season. So yeah, it's pretty interesting. I'm trying to think what we got here. Uh, NL outfield. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll let you do AL outfield first. But NL outfield, I think, is just very easy. I think, um, yeah, I, I guess yeah. Trout Trout deserves it. Uh, Trout deserves to be on there at least at least for now. 
So I'll go Trout. Um, then, so Buxton's not going to get in. I'm looking at the F war leader leaders. Um, I don't think Loriano gets in. Uh, yeah, Garcia's got seven stolen bases, which is surprising. So I'm going to put in Garcia. And yeah, I think I'll go Judge and Garcia. Yeah, so, so we yeah, have we the have same, same outfield right now. Um, all right. So that's that's what we got. And then, yeah, let's go to National League. Where uh, Who do you got? I got Castellanos, Winker, and Acuna. Wow, Rhett. You, f- you forget how uh, amazing the Reds have been. Well, I mean, they're in fourth place, but, the, you know, you look at those two guys. Those or those two Reds in particular, I, yep. I meant to say. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a pretty big discrepancy between them and the rest of the pack. So yeah, I'm gonna go with those three as well. Um, let me let me put it in the ballot. Castianos. Um, yeah, it's it's a uh, it's been it's been those three and like yeah, big big time discrepancy between them and the. And the rest of the pack, you know, Betts, Betts and Soto have not turned it on quite yet. Um, Soto but, has been recently. Yeah, and Soto also has been one of the unluckiest. According has, by to the way, Vermont. have you seen uh, what the – did you see what the Nationals put out recently? Um, no. So they put out the lineup card before yesterday's game. And in one Soto spot, it said, like, overrated with quotes. And I was like, I don't see anyone saying that. Yeah, it no. Was, it was to mock people who say that Soto's overrated. I haven't seen that. Yeah, no, and I like, not, seen like if it do, if I do see it, it's like from trolls. It's not like I'm not seeing like the the MLB network analysts and then the writers being like, "Have we been hyping up Juan Soto too much after his slow like start?" Like I have not seen that. Yeah, it's not like a an Aaron Judge situation or no. uh, I don't know a Bryce Harper situation. He's been. Like the guy's literally been on track with like Ted Williams for a yep. guy in his early twenties, and people have been recognizing that. So, no uh, one's really yeah. yeah. Like Fangraph straight up put his comp up to Ted Williams, and no one was like blaming them. Yeah, they had like factual, uh, factual evidence to back it up. Yep. Um, all right, American League uh, DH. I think you could you could go either. Uh, you could go either J.D. Martinez or uh, Shohei Otani. Otani. I mean, Otani's going to get the vote pretty easily. I mean, I think I think the idea is that Kevin Cash is going to, like, put him into pitch in the All-Star game and then have him hit. Right. Like, I I think just for that just for that purpose, I'd, I'd honestly just go Otani just because I would love to see that. Yeah, yeah. And he's, he, has the, um, he has the base running, I he think. Does. I think he's got four stolen bases this year. Yeah. I might be wrong. Um, DH, just to double check that. Uh, uh, Fangraphs is acting acting a bit slow right now, but uh, yeah, I think that that does it for our. Would you also go Otani? Yeah, I think I'm going Otani. Okay, so I think we had the exact same thing. Did we disagree um, on anything? I almost disagreed on National League second base, but I did go with Frazier. Otani has seven stolen bases this year, so. And he he's he only trails JD Martinez and weighted runs created plus by five points, and he's actually played more yeah. games than him. But uh, Martinez has the 
wins above replacement advantage. I guess, yeah, Martinez technically has more defensive runs above average than Otani, but that's not something I'm really considering with uh, DH. So, yeah, uh, I'll be putting in Shohei Otani, and uh, I have five entries remaining today. I'm going to review and I'm going to submit. Oh, yeah, I should probably submit as well. (laughs) So, all right. So, uh, yeah, my team, I'm guessing we have, yeah, the same team. My team is uh, American League. At first base, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. At second base, Marcus Simeon. At third base, Yohan Moncada. At shortstop, Xander Bogarts. Uh, In the outfield, Adolis Garcia, Aaron Judge, and Mike Trout. At catcher, Mike Zanino and the DH is Shohei Otani and Daniel, I believe you have the same. I do. And then National League at first base, Max Muncie at second base, Adam Frazier at third base, Chris Bryant, shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, in the outfield, Ronald Acuna Jr., Nick Castellanos, and Jesse Winker. And at catcher is going to be Buster Posey. Uh, and you have the same there as well. Uh, so yeah, that's where that's where we stand on June third, twenty twenty one. I think uh, when the second phase starts, we'll do like a follow up. And yep. then what I think we should do is um, only like nothing will be revealed at that point. So I think we should pick out like all the teams that are probably going to have one All Star. We should pick out like who they're going to be. Uh, like oh, who yeah. will be like who will be the Detroit Tiger? Who will be uh, the Pittsburgh Pirate if if Adam Frazier is available? Right. Yeah. If yeah, if if Fraser just kind of falls off and it becomes a, a bit of a question. Yeah. Yeah, they'll they'll always bring in that uh random reliever, like yeah. Joe Joe Jimenez. Joe Jimenez from I forget what year that was. I think like 2018, 2017. Yeah, I think it was like yeah, 2018. The unforgettable year of Joe Jimenez All Star. <laughs> um He was like the worst reliever on the team the next year too. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the life of a reliever. Um, but yeah, that's that's all star voting thus far in 2021. We were proud to uh, to uh, um, have a say in our democracy, I guess you would say. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I'd be OK with this democracy ending. Yeah, we you know, I wouldn't be fi- I would be fine with an all star uh, dictatorship or yeah. maybe uh, who, who if you had to have one person vote, who would you let it be? Uh, one person vote. Because I know who I would pick. Um. Okay, that's a good question. Because like, if you had to pick one person in the baseball world that picked the All Stars, who would you choose? Because I'm I'm thinking reporters, but I think the reporters aren't always the greatest analysts. But I I don't know. I I'm trying to think who my points of view align with the most. Um, you know what? I'll I'll just go out on the limb and say Brian Kenny. That's who I was gonna say. Yeah, I literally was going to say Brian Kenny. Yeah, I trust not? everything that man says. Yeah, I try. I yeah, I probably align with him the most. Maybe maybe I disagree a little bit on Bunting, but you know, not everybody's perfect. That's fine. That is completely fine. Um, I remember the for the day that I discovered like okay, I gotta shut up about Brian Kenny was. Uh, the year after Mariano Rivera got into the Hall of Fame, Brian Kenny always does like a like a preview of the the following year's first year class, and like every year there will be like a this guy's not gonna get much attention next year, but here's why he should. And then it was he was talking about Bobby Abreu, and I was like, 
okay, Brian, like you're going a little too far here. Like Bobby Abreu, and guess what? I put him on my ballot this year. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you know what? You got me. Yeah, and he he talked about the idea of openers. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm reading his book right now, uh, which came out in 2016, and he has a whole chapter on bullpenning, and the Rays didn't really normalize that until 2018. Yeah. I remember, um, actually, going back to the All-Star game, I remember in 2015, uh, they were having, like, a panel discussion on on who should start the All-Star game in 2015, and Brian Kenny was like, the American League should start Wade Davis, because, like, if you're the All-Star game starter, you go out there to get three outs. Who gets three outs in the league better than Wade Davis? He's got a point. He had a point. Yeah, I was like, I remember in 2015, I was like, yeah, he's right. Yeah, and they're they're, they're never going to do it. It was a game that mattered, too, so, like, why not? And, I mean, Wade Davis is a guy who, like, had much more incentive. It's not like, I don't know, who was, like, a really good reliever on a bad team. In uh, 2015. Or just at any point when it mattered. Um, you know, like, uh, I'm trying to I'm, like if like Brad Koji, Hand was on Koji one of those, Uwahara, like if Brad Hand on one of those Padres teams. Yeah, Hand, like Uehara in 2014. Yeah, Koji Uehara in 2014-15. Yeah, like Brad uh, Hand on one of those Padres teams if he was starting when it mattered. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, Davis. Exactly, and he was one of the actual deserving Royals. Uh, on that team on that team who could have been starting um but yeah uh that's that's the all-star voting and now we uh now we get into our um our second edition of kyle's questions this is going to be a good one so here it is and we are here with kyle belanger um uh if you did not see the first edition of Kyle's questions. You can go to episode 102. We kind of previewed the ALEs together and uh, went well. And we're kind of curious and, you know, context of the situation, obviously uh, Kyle had not really been following the baseball world for uh, a, a few years um, and kind of wanted to get back into it. We're kind of his guide back into the baseball world. And, uh, First question I have you, I know it's Kyle's questions, but one of my questions, what has been your baseball consumption uh, thus far in 2021? I mean, I'm right, I'm right back to, um, thanks for having me back, having me back guys. I'm right back to where I was. Um, you know, it's, it's like falling off a bike. You never forget how. Right. And so um, I, um, yeah, I mean, before, so I can't actually say that. So before I took my, my, my baseball hiatus, um, AKA became a dad. Um, I, uh, you know, I would consume, I think I said that for those of you who maybe didn't listen to, um, episode 102 also, what the hell, like, why didn't you listen to 102? Um, the, um, the reason why I stepped away was because I like, I, I like baseball and it's, true 162 game form. I like the, I like the six month narrative. I like being able to follow, um, you know, I like being able to follow, uh, what happens when, um, you know, when the, the, when, when the, the college world series guys sign and I like to be able to see what, you know, how quickly they can go from, I mean, in the old time, it was called what high a ball, um, you know, come up, you know, come up through the Eastern league and stuff. I, I love that. That's what I love about baseball. And so I stepped away because, um, being a dad, the way that I dad, 
Um, yeah, it's a verb. I did that. Uh, I was un I was unable to give six months worth of nights away, not unwilling, but unable. Um, and then subsequently unwilling. And so um, I'm right back to where I thought I could be. And I'm there quicker. Um, my training wheels are off. Um, baseball has become the uh, what we do at night um, in our house. My wife's a huge baseball fan. Um, and so, you know, with the exception of, um, uh, I'm also a major basketball fan. So the past couple of weeks, we've been taking some nights off from baseball for um, my favorite league, the WNBA uh, and the NBA playoffs. Um, but the beauty of baseball is that it's seven nights a week. And so um, I am really enjoying that. Um, because of my personal cable sitch, um, I don't get Nessun which is not really a big deal to me um, because even though I grew up a Sox fan and I, I suppose, um, you know, if I had to, you know, if I had to claim a franchise to like get across international borders, I would claim the Red Sox. Um, but I think you guys both know that my sports fanhood has become really bastardized. I'm just a sports fan and happily I'm a baseball fan again, and I'm watching a lot of baseball and it feels really good. Yeah, no matter who your team is, it's very easily it's very easy nowadays to just become a neutral baseball fan and to watch every team. Mm -hmm. Like it's easy to even if your team's like in a three game losing streak and not looking good, it's easy to just for me it's easy to detach and be like, all right, well the Padres and Dodgers are on, let's watch that instead. I mean, also the Padres and Dodgers seem to play every night, so and I'm really <laughs> into that because it's great theater. Um, I also gotta say that I think we've we've reached the point in sports fanhood, and this is maybe a, a discussion for a different podcast where um where you know you have grown up in the fantasy era like i mean i i was you know at the very beginning i played my first fantasy season in 1989 i was 12 i was like collecting money for a pay league at 12 years old um that, that i mean you trace the thread of you know my of, of, of the things that i like to do in life and it goes right back to there um but so i think it's much easier to be a fan of a player and follow that player now much more than it was when I was a kid, when free agency wasn't really a big deal. And when you really did, you, you died for the laundry, right. Versus the player. And uh, yeah, I, I love it. I love it. It's baseball has been great to me this year so far. And I'm really happy to be back. Yeah. See fantasy's evolved to the point where I'm in a league now that's entirely run by myself and my friends where we, we draft players at the beginning of the year. Whoever you draft, that's your team for the year. You can only make one. You can only make one change to your team, and it's an injury. Uh, it's an injury replacement for if a guy gets hurt. And the only stat we track is F WAR. That's it. It's only one category. Yep. Is it head the to whole... head? Or is it head to head or is it roto? No, it's roto. Awesome. That's fantastic. Yeah, I'm currently. I'm in second right now. Well, you uh, gotta, I'm doing. You gotta shake it off, and and I don't know who the hell's ahead of you, but that's garbage dude you come on get him well, i got i got mike trout on my team and he's okay. he's been hurt and i got jt romuto who just got hurt i've been alec Baum. i have alec Baum, who chris highlighted as someone who's been doing bad recently i have a couple i have a couple under the radar guys that have been doing very well but i mean out of 10 people i'm second right now and it's all people that know their stuff hey you, you want me to go from one super nerdy thing to another i just pulled a sweet alec Baum out of the the 2021 diamond kings uh, yeah. uh hanger that i got that i got yeah I'm a big fan. I've been collecting a lot of Alec Baum. I need, maybe, I need, maybe, maybe that can get him to be a zero win player. I need him to turn it around. <laughs> yeah, I need, I need him just to get to zero war because he's at negative 0.4, I believe, right now. Yeah, that's not typically a good thing. No. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very 
going back to it, it's very easy to become a neutral fan, like uh, like you guys said. Because I mean, you know, we've talked about it before. The amount of young talent there is, you know, like the most exciting players of right now are pretty much under twenty five outside of outside of the pitchers. You know, Acuna Jr., Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, leading the way uh, in the American League, and you know, Fernando Tatis Jr. You know, ironically enough, all of them are, are juniors. It's kind of weird. But, uh, yeah, it, it's very easy. Ronald Acuna Jr. Yeah, the, like, I, like I mentioned, uh, yeah, very, very easy. So, uh, all right, do we want to get into uh, your questions for, for today? I would love to. I have three of them. Um, and just for the record, I asked – you, I want everyone to know, I want the, the viewers to know, I asked if you guys want, what marvels me about you two, Daniel and Chris, is that uh, I can spit these things. You don't want to hear them ahead of time and you always have such great answers. So I'll go right into it because uh, you already mentioned one of the dudes that's part of my, my first question here. Um, it's an American League MVP question. Um, and uh, I've got two guys who I just adore watching. Um, one, you mentioned Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, and the other is Shohei Otani Jr. Um, I'm, wondering, <laughs> I'm wondering, um, of those two, which of those guys do you think has a better chance, kind of a two-parter, of finishing the year healthy and atop the AL MVP voting? Well, because if we're going to say... And let me, let, me, let, me, let me couch that. I believe that if Shohei Otani can stay healthy... There's no one who can touch that dude. He's doing things that no one's seen before. But I think that's the wild card in the question. All right, now I'll shut up and listen. Yeah, I mean, Shohei Otani has a much uh, bigger history with health issues. So I think Vlad Guerrero Jr., just by nature of history, has a better chance of staying healthy. Um, you know, he's moved positionally where he used to be a third baseman. And now he's a first baseman, which I think that sort of leads to uh, less of a risk for injury. You know, he's not moving around as much on the field. And uh Eventually, I think we could see him as a DH full-time at some point uh, with whatever the Blue Jays have because, like, Rowdy Telez, you know, they have him DHing right now. Um, I don't know how long he's going to be on the team. Maybe they could sign a first baseman at some point. Um, so, I guess for long-term, uh, Vlad has a better chance of being healthy. But if Otani stays healthy, like you said, no one's touching him. Uh, I, I do have to say, I, and I just want to say, Chris, too, that the, um, one of the things that I love about the, the move of putting Guerrero at first is yeah, he was a third baseman, but he, he was, um, I mean, I don't have, I don't, I don't have the knowledge of, of the advanced stats that you guys do, but he, I mean, having watched him play third base a little bit on tape, he was a below average third baseman. And now like homeboys, like full splits at first, like it's, I'm seeing it. I'm seeing some things. I'm seeing what I wish Prince Fielder was out of Vlad Guerrero. Kyle, you mentioned advanced stats. Don't look at the defensive stats. They really, for the most part, don't mean much. I would recommend uh, baseball savant if you go to, if you want to look at advanced stats. And you are right about uh, his third base abilities. In 2019, he was he, he had negative 19 outs above average. And where does that rank? And you know, you think if you think that's not good, that's definitely not very good. I think that's near bottom of the league. It's uh, they don't have percentiles up for 2019, but negative 19 is probably one of the worst you will see. And yeah, this year it's, it's kind of right around average. Mm -hmm. Fangraphs yeah. has him with a negative three defensive runs above average this year. 
uh, which isn't very good. I'm not, I could probably look at his defensive runs saved, but um, they don't have him being great, but it's like, it is very hard to find a defensive stat that is like completely reliable because every one of them has some sort of flaw except for maybe outs above average just because it's very new and it's stat cast. Mm-hmm. So it takes like range and positioning into, into consideration. Um, yeah. But it's uh, very difficult. Yeah, it is hard. I rely on outs above average the most because it, I think it uses player data the most, but um, obviously we're not, we're not experts here. And uh, I can confirm to you now, quite literally, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was the worst defender in 2019 uh, yeah. in his first full year where he was playing third base. So, yeah, uh, it's been a joy to watch him turn it around. It has. Yeah. And he wasn't um, he wasn't brought up as, you know, a guy who is going to produce for you offensively and defensively. So it's good to move him to first base where he can feel comfortable, uh, where he can feel comfortable just being a beast on offense, not having to worry about having too much defensive responsibility because at at least the third base, the best third baseman of today, you know, you talk when you're talking about Anthony Rendon, uh, Nolan Arenado, Alex Bregman, they do it on both sides. Uh, There's not a lot of, you know, there's not a lot of the guys at third base that don't really do well defensively. It's kind of a two-way position uh, nowadays. Uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. has negative two defensive runs saved this year, which is, not good. It's not good, but his UZR per 150 is uh, 13th in the league. His UZR is ultimate zone rating, and uh, the 150, I believe it means per 150 games played. Um, it's 8.6 right now, which is, like I just mentioned, 13th in the majors, uh, which is pretty good. So, um, But then again, his defensive run save says negative two. So, like, you know, it's hard to tell based on those two things. Is he good or is he not? Right. First base to me, and and I know this makes me an old guy, but like first base to me has always been an eye test position for me. Um, You know, I mean, like that's really what first baseman first base looks like for me. Like, I feel like, you know, for like for um, for outfielders, we can really look at. um, And again, I'm not a I'm not a a statistics guy, but I feel like for outfielders is far more um, accurate ways to 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 determine a. Um, the things that I can't see when I watch an outfielder break on the ball or whatever. Right. I mean, like you can measure that, but for a first baseman, I can tell if you're crappy, I can like, I can really see that. Uh, I mean, I test is a swear word on this program, but, uh, if we had to use it at one point, it might be defense. How about the goddamn I test? Can I say that? Is that less of a, is that less of a, um... yes, that's perfect. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. All right. All right. So can I move on to number two? Yeah. Um, first, first base. Yeah. First base is like, as long as you're not an abomination, I think you're pretty good. And I guess to answer, to answer the question, uh, American league MVP wise and health wise. Yeah. Shohei Otani is probably more of an injury risk. Um, definitely more of an injury risk, uh, in both of our opinions and looking at baseball reference wins above replacement right now, which accounts for both pitching and, uh, hitting and defense and all that. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero has 0.1 more than Otani. And I think what also plays to Vladimir Guerrero Jr.'s advantage is he's on a better team. I think the Angels are for Otani or, or what, a last place team or a second fourth last place. place? Fourth, yeah. they're, fourth place. The team. Rangers, the Rangers have lost a bunch of games recently. Okay, let me let me do this then. Let me let me up the ante because I hear what you're saying, and I also hear you both hedging a little bit on the answer. 
Let me, let me do this. I know this is not a gambling podcast, but let me throw this out. These are numbers that I can get with. Um, let's say I, let's say you both have 500 bucks and you got to put it on one of these two guys, right? So Vegas, Vegas measures the risk, right? They do. So right now, Shohei Otani is the favorite to win the American league MVP at plus 110, which, you know, for people who aren't listening, it essentially means that, um, that you're going to get paid. So for 500 bucks, you're going to get about five, you're risking 500 and you'll get back your 500 and then another 550. Vlad Guerrero Jr. is plus 350. He's second. So essentially Vegas is saying that Otani has a three times more likely chance to win the MVP this year. Yeah. All things I mean, considered, you got to put health in there. All things considered, do you agree with that? I would. I mean, I think you got to put, you know, health is probably the biggest factor right now because he, he does have a very good, you know, he does have very good numbers on the mound. He does have very good numbers at the plate. And I mean, I think that the way it's gone so far, I think he doesn't need to do as much as he needs to just stay healthy. Like, I think, I mean, what is, what is his OPS plus and ERA plus right now? I'm guessing it's like in the, his OPS plus would probably be in like the 150, 160 range. I'm just, he could probably end in like 115 in both and still win it. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, it's slightly above average in both. Uh, Otani's OPS plus is 149. His ERA plus, wait for it, ERA plus is 163. So it's yeah. above 145 in, in both. I mean, realistically, I think he could probably finish. So, Kyle, what those essentially mean is that uh, whatever number comes after the one is what percent above average they are. So like he's one, he's 63% above the average pitcher as far as run prevention goes. And he's 49% above the average hitter with offensive production. Realistically, Chris, if I, I think if he ends in 115 in both, uh, he's probably winning it. And yeah, how many so, games does he have to play to be in contention? Could he, could he play 130? And still I'd be- say, I'd say he has to have at least 502 plate appearances. Okay. Yeah. That and- seems like, that seems like a very arbitrary number, but that's how many you need to qualify in a 162 game season. Okay. And pitching wise, he has 36 and a third innings pitch and we're about a third of the way through the season. Yeah, so, so he'd probably, so he's not going to qualify for pitching stats. Probably. He's going to be, he's going to have over uh he's going to have a little over a hundred innings and yeah, I mean, he'll probably have to do very well in the pitching department to uh, mm-hmm. in, in order to, for that to be a factor. But yeah, uh, what did you say that Otani is three times more late or three times has a three time, three times the favorite of uh, Guerrero Jr.? Yeah, roughly. Yeah, absolutely. That's what that's what Vegas is saying on futures. Now, futures are kind of tricky, right? Because it's like it's not just either or. Right. I mean, so there are everyone else in this list, too. I mean, just going down it right now is, you know, it goes it goes Otani, Guerrero, J.D. Martinez, Trout, Judge, Bogarts, you know, down like that. So it's not just an either or. But that's roughly what it's saying is that is that um, yeah, is that there's roughly it's three times as likely for Otani to win it as it is Guerrero. Yeah, I if that's the case, I would probably put my money on Guerrero. I think it's a smarter bet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because it's probably 50 50 on who will win it, especially considering teams and you don't know how much the vet how much the voters are going to value pitching and uh hitting and what also should be noted and hitting because we because we don't have any past experience to go off of that right yeah, yeah this is a great season uh-huh. what also should um should be accounted for is i think the voters 
did uh, did kind of account for Shohei Otani's ability in the 2018 Rookie of the Year vote because yeah, that, that was kind of a, a controversial thing, uh, especially with Yankees fans because it was you know the Yan- the Yankee finished in second place, but it was a it was virtually a guy, uh, you know the Yankees player was a consistent pretty good offensive player, bad who could not play defense to save his life, very bad defensive player, and then it was Shohei Otani who had played about like two thirds of the season offensively and maybe one third of the season pitching wise, but was excellent in both. And, you know, combined was better than Andujar. Like the, the amount of plate appearances he had as a batter and the amount of batters faced he had as a pitcher was close to the amount of plate appearances that uh, the Yankees player Andujar had, if that makes, if that makes sense, like that's, kind of he had about the same production and was and was better overall yep um but yeah i think um i think that answers the question so yeah. we'll get on we'll get on to question number two because that, that one took a it took a bit took a little bit i mean i i love that but I, and I think the reason why it took a bit is because those two players you could talk about i mean we could do entire you do entire uh episodes about those those two players and i love that i love that about them yeah and um, and uh sorry to interrupt but like those those guys are both uh 26 and under so like matching the theme of like the, the young talent in the game yeah i hope great. i hope both of them are in the home run derby the home run derby crowd could be very great this year like we could have vlad we could have acuna we could have otani adelise garcia um tatis like at Coors field like i i really hope mlb goes all out with picking the home run derby candidates yeah. this year and if they keep up the $1 million challenge, it encourages young players to do it. Because they're probably still on their first contract. Yeah, they're, like, they haven't gotten into free agency. But yeah. Hey, so my next question is, what's up with the no-hitters pace? Um, I have, this reminds me so much, I think it was 1990. I just yep, remember. it is. Like, it was 1990. Yeah, the Andy Hawkins year. It was the Andy Hawkins no-hitter year. Um, and, uh, and, and that, yeah, so... What is up with this? I mean, obviously, we talked a lot about the ball being unjuiced, um, but you can't unjuice a ball and make people miss it. What the hell's going on? Pitchers are getting better. It's that easy. It's pitchers, yeah. Like, pitchers have evolved at a faster rate than hitters have. Can it – so my real question is, can we can can we maintain this pace of no hitters? No, I think there is a bit of flukiness to it. Like, I mean, there could be, like, maybe three or four more throughout the year. Um, but I don't, I mean, we're not going to be getting like no hitters every week for the whole season. And is this, and is this a, and I don't mean to step on you, Chris, is this a result of hitters not having a full year, a full season last year of, um, of game situations? Is that what we're seeing? Or is this honestly an evolution? I think, um, I think with that, uh, it has a little something to do with the ball, and I, I don't. I, I wouldn't consider the full season last year being um, being that much of a uh, concern, or not having a full season last year, because the offensive numbers from 2020 were not that much different than 2021, and probably over a full year we would have seen the offense rise because over, you know, the the worst offensive months are always the first month of the year because pitchers are fully healthy and you're always facing number ones and guys at the top of the rotation. Um, so, yeah, uh, 
I think it has something to do to, to do with the ball and uh, spin rate has been a thing. We actually, and uh, after the six no hitter, we, we finally talked about uh, the no hitters and most of the guys who uh, threw no hitters had significantly higher spin rates than, or had significantly like better percentile spin rate than their fastball velocity. So They're more reliance on spin rate than velocity. Yeah, so spin rate has a little bit to do with it. You know, that involves, uh, you know, different training and also, you know, stuff on the baseball. And they've been they've been investigating that. Um, did you see, I, Chris, did you just see this came out like today? Uh, I think four different minor league pitchers were ejected for using substances and they've all been suspended 10 games. Yeah, that's that's something to look at. And, you know, like that's going to that's going to permeate. Yeah, by the way, Kyle, we talked about this on our last show like you know in 2019 you saw the whole sign stealing thing with the astros we're gonna have sign stealing 2.0 pretty soon with pitchers using substances because josh donaldson went on twitter and said he is a catalog of every pitcher that's cheating and he's gonna release just a massive list of every single person that's amazing i can't wait to see how many bruises he ends up with it's gonna be fantastic i mean he's been he's not shy he would not he's not one to shy away from fighting people like he's Hey, that's great, he's, man. He's you know, a history I, of it. I, for one, blame Ed Harris, um, the great pitcher for Cleveland, uh, I think in 1990 in uh, the movie Major League, um, showed us mm. all the different substances uh, that he uses. So the great Ed Harris is who I blame for this all. That's fair. Um, I wanted to get into the spin rates like Chris did, but I wanted to add some extra things. I've made this pretty well known on this program. One of my biggest pet peeve in the world is when people – point to launch angle and like the, the hitting approach to launch angle as the reason for offensive decline, because it's just not true at all. And I looked at the data and in May of 2019, the league launch angle was actually higher than it was in May of 2020 by, by a single degree, which is not too much for a small sample size, but it really hasn't changed much, but the average spin rate has gone up 30 RPMs, which is, it doesn't sound like a lot, but it, it can make the difference between, you know, noticeable offensive decline and, just, you know, like, uh, it's still like relatively low batting averages, but high power. And I've got to say, I do think, you know, and I, and I, again, my, my analysis is far more archaic than yours, but I do think there's something to be said for, you know, that hitters who, who were working in a cage much more than they were used to. Um, whereas, you know, pitchers are spending the entire pandemic plying their craft, um, throwing. Uh, and so, I mean, that's where this, that, I mean, my first time ever using this word, uh, that's where a spin rate can really, I mean, that that's where those reps can come in. Um, and, uh, and I think that that is, is really significant. I hope, um, I look forward cause you, I don't want to, blow up your spot here, but you promised me offense when we talked last time. Um, and I haven't seen the offense that I was promised and damn it. I'm here to tell you, I'm, I, I have my ticket. I bought offense and I haven't seen the offense that I've been promised. So I look forward to the second half of the first half, the second half of the first half of the season. Um, yeah. I need, I need that. I need that offense to go up. <laughs> um, I mean, I think when I said offense, I didn't miss, I, my, my definition of offense is home runs. Like yeah. you're going to see a lot oh, of those and home yeah. run rates have been, you know, up like they normally are. Um, that's kind of what I meant. I mean, like singles, singles have been dying for years. Like you're not going to see as You've much of like moving the ball around BABIP, you know, you're not going to see much of that. Well, you've, uh, never, you've never seen my game. I'm a banjo to right field. That's me all day yeah. long. Um, okay. So my last question is this, um, we're getting closer and closer to seeing um, some of these dudes, obviously not, 
we're not quite there yet, but the, the, solo, the service time call-ups are getting closer every day. Um, we're still quite a ways out from that. But I'm wondering, as I'm starting to watch the minor league numbers develop, um, and it's been fun the last couple of weeks, watching guys um, like Jeter Downs and watching, you know, watching these, watching these, the guys who I'm just so excited about. Um, forget about Blaze Jordan, who, you know, is years away. I am pumped about Blaze Jordan. Um, who's going to be the first dude that makes the impact that everyone, you know, everyone wants to say, you know, Bobby Witt and all, all this. Who's going to be the guy that arrives and makes a splash first this year? This, this might sound like a total homer pick, but uh, Jaron Duran. Is it you? You think you think that's sustainable? Uh, I saw. I just saw this very recently. Where, uh, let me see. Let me find. Let me pull up this tweet from the Athletic. Uh, where so Jared Duran just played some games with the with Team USA, mm-hmm. and um, Todd Frazier said uh, he quoted like he praised Jared Duran said he's going to be really good and he said, I said Trout was going to be something and I'm thinking the same thing about Duran. It's a mm-hmm. direct quote from Todd Frazier, mm-hmm. and I know Trout didn't necessarily make the impact immediately. Um, like in 2011, he was a below average hitter, but he, you know, came out swinging in 2012 and had one of the greatest rookie campaigns of all time. Um, this is the total homer pick, but I would say Jaron Duran. Okay. I, I can't really put my finger on anybody cause we've had some call-ups. We have um, had some call-ups already. Jared Kelnick already came up. Yep. Um, looks fantastic. Looks fantastic. We've yeah. had, yeah, we've had some call-ups, but nothing's really, nothing's really shocked anyone. Like Kelnick has had somewhat below average numbers. Obviously that's going to fix itself as years go on. You don't really expect a guy to shine in the rookie year. But when I'm thinking of a rookie that can come up and change, uh, change, you know, a playoff contenders run, uh, I, I can't really put my finger on anyone in particular. I mean, maybe the most likely is, uh, the number one prospect in baseball, Wander Franco. But, you know, I don't know if he's going to be someone that immediately comes onto the scene and changes the way uh, the Rays play. And, yeah. like, I don't know who uh, who the parallel would be, but I don't see that necessarily happening. I feel like he'll have somewhat of a, you know, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. route where first couple of years he's kind of getting used to Major League Baseball. And then all of a sudden in his age 22 season, he's – uh. He's killing it. So, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, I, there's no one I can really put a finger on because we've we've seen some call-ups and they haven't really made that much of a difference to their clubs uh, quite yet. And I think a lot of that has to do with there was no minor league season last year. So, yeah, it uh, is difficult. I think development might have might have slowed down uh, a little bit, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's never been uncommon for players to, for highly touted prospects to come up to the big leagues and struggle at first. Well, so uh, me, like, that's the tradition is oldest. Let me ask you a follow up on Wander Franco because I'm not sure. Like, I, again, you know, I'm well documented on, on, on here uh, talking about how I'm just getting back in. But from what I could tell, we didn't expect the Rays to be having the success. Like, I, I don't remember people talking about the Rays like, like the world beaters they've been. I mean, that whole division is just way better than I expected. Um, do, does that change the profile of what Tampa is able to or wants to do with Franco? The fact that they're already winning, does that? Does that decelerate maybe his his call up? I would say it does because the Rays have had a history of 
of, you know, letting their prospects really marinate in the minors. Like, I think the most notable story is Brent Honeywell. Uh, in 2017, a lot of people wanted him to be a September call-up because he was their number one pitching prospect. Uh, they ended up holding off for the 2018 season, uh, but then he ended up needing Tommy John surgery, and he needed another surgery. Like, he, it ended up taking him until this year to come up, even though he could have been up in 2017, but the Rays let him stay down there a little bit. And, uh... I mean, if they if they had to go back, I, I don't know if they would do anything differently just because, I mean, I don't think Major League Time is going to keep would have kept him away from Tommy John surgery there. No, but you're, you're right in terms of the franchise. I mean, you have to probably go back to like Evan Longoria before they had a guy who like they just brought up to the bigs when he was ready. Everyone else. has yeah. been, And even yeah. like he came up to start a season. Right. Right. That's true. I think the one thing that might be in Wander Franco's favor is uh you know, the Tampa Bay Rays, they just traded a shortstop. They had another shortstop come up who's not as highly touted. But overall this year, the Rays have had the or the Rays shortstops ranked 27th in fan graphs wins above replacement. So uh, in layman's terms, you know, they've had the fourth worst shortstop production in all of baseball. And uh, actually, let me go back to the other teams that are on that list. I can't imagine there's any contenders below them. But for a contender, uh, not like shortstop may, may, may be like their worst position thus far this year. Um, the only contender yep. below them really is Oakland. Who yeah, well, Oakland shortstops have been like historically bad. Yeah. yeah. And they let go of their <laughs> of what was a good shortstop. In- who just won. Yeah, they, they just let go of the May American League player of the month. Yeah. Funny, funnily enough, as we, uh, as yeah. we talk about it. So I think the one thing in. Franco's favor is, you know, not only is he the number one prospect in baseball, but the Rays seem to have a hole at shortstop. And it's a bigger hole than pretty much anywhere else in the diamond I can I can think of. I've I've taught myself to just never question the Tampa Bay Rays. Like when they traded Blake Snell, a lot of people were going crazy. I was like, no, something's gonna happen here. Like they'll figure something out. And but guess what? Blake Snell is like an ERA in the fives now. And Luis Patino is one of the best prospects in the league. So, you know, I'm sure whatever they end up doing with Wander Franco, it will be the right thing for the team. You know, maybe they're just you know they're made, waiting for him to play some more minor league games. Maybe he's up at the deadline. Maybe he's up in August. Maybe he's on a playoff roster. I don't know. I really, I mean, maybe he's not up all year. But I think whatever they do will be the best interest for the team. I love the trade that they made. For Willie Adamas, I'm very high on JP Fireisen, uh, one of the relievers they just got. He had a save the other night against the or the other day against the Yankees, and uh, I think he's going to be able to make a name for himself in October as well. Awesome, guys! I appreciate this so much. It's so nice to be able to uh, to sink in and have um, and, and to learn some stuff from you. And now, now I know how to use some terms I didn't know before today. Um, I am, I am pumped. I'm like looking, going into this weekend. I mean, we've got, it feels like the series are only getting more and more impressive. And then maybe that's just because, um, you know, the, the season's heating up, right. I mean, the, the, when, when it, the weather gets warmer and I can look at, you know, at, at what's the, what's on MLB network. Um, and, uh, you know, even when it just says regional coverage, I get pretty fired up. Cause that's when I like, it's like a, it's like a slot machine. I just, I just pull it up and see what's on. And I just, just sink into it, crack open a cold uh, seltzer um, hashtag family show and, uh, and, um, and, and just enjoy. So thanks fellas. I appreciate you. Yeah, for sure. We appreciate uh, having you on. It's always, always a great segment. 
and uh, we will definitely have you on uh, as the season as the season goes on. All right, so that was Kyle's questions, and uh, now we're going to get into our how about that and slightly alarming statistics. And that was Kyle's questions. Uh, digging into some stuff we hadn't really talked about, you know, a prospect that could possibly change the uh, fate of a contender. That was a good question. And uh, we hadn't really got dug into uh, potential awards, but, you know, he did point out the two favorites for the American League MVP and brought about uh, a good discussion there. So, yeah, shout out to him. Follow, follow him on uh, Twitter at KyleBelandrew1. And I think... I feel like he does a bunch of media stuff, so it's hard to hard to pick out one. Um, But like we said, uh, it's time to get into uh, the the part we've prepared the most for and our favorite part of the episode where we highlight players slash subjects for good and bad reasons. So now to start for our May or no, June, June 3rd, 2021 edition of... So who do you have to highlight uh, for this episode? So I'm going to be talking about a guy who uh, was acquired by his current team last offseason. People are pretty excited to have this player. Uh, it's Hunter Renfro of oh. the Boston Red Sox. Over his last 15 games, he is he has a 998 OPS, uh, which ranks tied for 17th in the majors, and his 172 weighted runs created plus ranks in sole possession of 17th. But most of the really good numbers come uh, since May 26th, which it's only a six-game sample, so it is not really fair. But, I mean, what he's been doing is just ridiculous. Over the last six games, he is slashing 550, 571, 1150 for an OPS of 1721. <laughs> he is a 715 Woba and 369 weighted runs created plus. All those numbers except for the on-base percentage lead the majors. And also since then, he has nine batted balls that have been hit harder than 101 miles per hour, and that's tied for the most in the majors. So Hunter Renfro has been just about better than anyone else since May 26, and he's been very good overall over his last 15 games played. Man, the a- the affect, the effect there. That's the that's the highlight of the episode. I can't yep. wait for more of those. Mm-hmm. 1751, though. I mean 21. Yeah, imagine like that's that's a uh, like six games. You know, imagine that as a playoff series. That would be historically good. Yep. Um, yeah, like Paul Molitor in a six-game World Series had a fifteen seventy-one OPS, and that doesn't even that's not within a hundred. What was of, of, what was David Ortiz's in twenty sixteen or twenty thirteen? I think it was nineteen forty-eight. Yeah, that was pretty good. Barry Bonds was nineteen ninety-four. Easy to remember because it was a year. That was in seven games. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So Hunter Renfro. How about that? And uh, that crosses another team off the list. Uh, we have we had not done a uh, Red Sox player just yeah, yet. Our goal is to highlight one player from every team uh, for how about that during the season. Yeah. And um, for that reason, I am highlighting – uh, two players for how about that? Not going too deep analytically, but I feel like both of them deserve a shout out for what they've been doing. Um, the first one, 
uh, I think he's been acknowledged, you know, in the in the public thus far, because what he's been doing is amazing for on the field reasons and off the field reasons. Um, but we haven't really acknowledged him on the show just yet. Trey Mancini. Yeah. In his last 32 games, he is hitting 336 with a 1007 OPS and 29 RBI. This is over a month where he's been putting up uh, an OPS over a thousand. And on the season, he is hitting 375 with runners in scoring position. And in his last 32 games, he is hitting 400 with runners in scoring position. Along with that, his expected batting average is in the 96th percentile. And his expected weighted on base average is in the 94th percentile. So he is not particularly uh, just getting lucky. He is, uh, he is earning it for sure. And since April 29th, he has the second most RBI in Major League Baseball. And the man ahead of him is my other how about that. And this is is going to cross uh, another team off the list. We have yet to do a Tampa Bay Ray until now, I'm pretty sure. Uh, Austin Meadows. In his last 17 games, Austin Meadows is hitting... 328 with an 1162 OPS and 22 RBI. And in particularly in this span with runners in scoring position, absolutely amazing. He is hitting 450 with a 1692 OPS with runners with runners in scoring position in his last 17 games. So uh, both Trey Mancini and Austin Meadows getting my uh, for the week. Yeah, they've uh, they've been. Uh, I guess the theme of my how about that was uh, driving in runs, as yep. they were they were doing amazing at driving in runs uh, and doing well with runners runners in scoring positions. So now we go from the highs to the lows, where we are talking about players or subjects that have uh, been underperforming. So for our June third, twenty twenty one edition of slightly alarming, uh, what do you got? For us today so i'm looking at another player who was acquired by his current team last offseason that sparked some uh some joy in that city and overall he's had a very good season he's just had a bit of a rough patch over the last couple of weeks i'm talking about nolan arenado uh, because he has been struggling for the cardinals since may 19th he is slashing 176 200 333 for a 533 ops uh, his ops on the year in this time has gone down from 944 to 847. So it's almost down 100 points since May 19th. And uh, his walk percentage has been particularly bad. It's a 1.8%. And uh, his 200 on base percentage since May 19th is the fourth worst out of 165 qualifiers since that date. So Nolan Arenado, uh, the Cardinals have, you know, been holding on for dear life to first place in the NL Central. They're not there now because of the Cubs. Uh, Nolan Arenado's struggles have been no doubt a part of that yeah for sure nolan arenado slightly alarming um so yeah not uh not the best but we'll probably get back on the horse uh eventually yeah my uh i, I guess to somewhat go with the theme um actually this wasn't a, a trade but this guy was signed in free agency however it was kind of a re-sign and uh for my slightly alarming i am talking about DJ LeMahieu, who has not I was, been the I same, was going to go with him. Who has not been the same uh, this year. Uh, uh, in total, 
this season in 52 games. He is hitting 255 with a 667 OPS. And uh, when you isolate it to his last 23 games, it's very, very bad. He is hitting 205 with a 496 OPS in his last 23 games. And in this span, he has one extra base hit, one extra base hit in his last 23 games. That's also 100 plate appearances uh, where he's only had one, one extra base hit. And when you talk about DJ LeMahieu, when you're, when Yankees fans were very happy to have him back and why you, why like a Red Sox fan would kind of see him as a threat is, was his ability to hit with runners in scoring position. I remember in 2019, it was up near 400. Uh, same thing with 2020, but uh, in his last 23 games, he's hitting 111 with runners in scoring position. Uh, and it, that's significantly worse than even his baseline uh, at 205 in his last 23 games. He's hitting 111 with runners in scoring position in his last 23 games. It's been uh, pretty bad. And, uh, you know, to go, to go with the stat cast angle on the season as a whole, his line drive percentage is the lowest it has been in the stat cast era. So DJ LeMahieu, uh, you know, someone who has been top five in the MVP, MVP each of the past two years, not quite the same looking. Slightly alarming. Um, so, yeah, and Yankees offense has been kind of a surprise in terms of how much they have not been producing. And I remember can... in 2019 when LeMahieu came over there, like we talked about this when he got re-signed in for agency, he completely changed the culture of that team. He made them look so much better than they already were as a 100-win team in 2018. And to not have him going is, is you know, that we talk about Judge instead and how much of a catalyst both of them can be in the lineup. But DJ LeMay, who has the same amount of effect, even if he's not hitting 475-foot home runs every day. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he led the league. He won the batting title and, won, and led the league in OPS last season. You know, and he qualified, uh, which is which is why when you go to his page, those are uh, those are bolded. But yeah, like he he's been their best. He was their best offensive player in uh, 2019 and 2020. And I guess luckily for the Yankees, they they've you know had healthy. You know, Judge and Stanton have pretty much been healthy all year. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and be unbiased and knock on wood there. Yeah. So, you know, well, being unbiased Judge, there. I mean, Stan just came back from the IL. Yeah, I mean, but him only missing, uh, whatever, 15 or 16 games is, is a healthy bad, But, year. I mean, he's – but clearly it had some sort of impact because he's – I don't think he has a hit yet since uh, since he came back. I think he's over 13 or something like that. Potentially. But, yeah, ju- be, having Judge for uh, the whole year thus far has been huge for them, you know. He's uh, in both of our all-star outfields and – He's been uh, he's been huge, and you know, not having guys like Lemayhew or Torres or Urshela be quite the same has had a detriment on them. And I think they're like close to last in runs per game, which is crazy to think with the uh, the potential offense they can have. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, now now uh, for a preview of the week. No, uh, week... no, 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 Chris. Oh, right, yeah. Our monthly award, uh, uh, Daniel's monthly award, it is time for the May winner of the Carlos Santana Award. The Carlos Santana of the Month Award was inspired by Carlos Santana's slash line in 2020, which was 199, 349, 350, 
6.99. It was just a beautiful uh, display of offense being exclusively based on walks and sometimes uh, extra base hits, but mostly walks uh, with little to no, you know, offensive consistency with hitting. And the winner of the April Carlos Santana of the Month Award was Ian Happ, and it will be staying in Chicago with Yasmani Grandal being the no doubt about it winner in twenty in May. Uh, Yasmani Grandal had a thirty eight point seven percent walk rate in the month of May with a bat with a slash line of one thirty six four sixty seven four oh nine eight seventy six. That is an absolute miracle of a slash line. 136 average, 876 OPS. And even better, his three true outcome percentage, 78.6%. Almost four out of five times he came to the plate, he wasn't putting the ball in play, which is amazing. Wow. So no doubt about it, Yasmani Grandal is the second recipient of the Carlos Santana of the Month Award. Yeah, it's ridiculous. He can have... He's definitely going to have a, a how about that type season where like mm-hmm. he's he'll end up hitting probably under 200 with the on base percentage. If he was if this was 400. like if he was doing this in like the 70s, everyone would be like, oh, man, this guy sucks. Yeah, he would be he, he would be released by the White Sox by now. Yeah. If Tony La Russa <laughs> was still managing. Can you imagine back in the 80s when Tony La Russa was managing? He would hate that if he was managing now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't I imagine. imagine. Yeah, no. Um, all right. Well, after that, uh, it's time to get into our preview of the weekend ahead. Yes, uh, we're, we'll be highlighting some series, some matchups uh, to go over. I'll start off with uh, the series to watch. It's funny because these teams just keep popping up for me, but they, they just have my interest. First series I'll talk about is Giants-Cubs. Uh, the Cubs are the hottest team on the planet right now, and the Giants are uh, kind of close up there with them. I, I don't know. Well, I can't exactly identify a span, but they've been one of the best teams in baseball for sure. And uh, they're going to be another test for the Cubs, who just won. Cubs just won. Uh, they just swept the Padres. Yeah. Cubs just swept the Padres. Uh, that was at home. Now they travel across the country to, uh, or somewhat across the country to, uh, San Francisco. Uh, it's going to be Anthony Desclafani versus Zach Davies on Thursday night. And by the way, it's four gamer, obviously. Uh, on Friday night, Jake Arietta versus To Be Determined. Saturday night, uh, Cole Stewart versus to, to Be Determined. And Sunday, Sunday afternoon, it is going to be Kyle Hendricks versus To Be Determined. So Cubs have announced their starters giants have not outside of tonight and uh another another series to look at is padres mets uh padres keep coming up uh, and and they just got swept uh mets have been on a pretty good run and uh i think tonight uh you're gonna mention the matchup for tonight that's a very good matchup uh friday night is blake snell versus to be determined saturday night is another great matchup that you're probably going to be highlighting. And, uh, and then uh, Sunday is going to be Marcus Stroman versus to be determined. So let's get to those day by day matchups. Yeah. So uh, if you're on the East coast, you might want to stay up pretty late tonight. If you don't have plans on your Friday, because tonight you got 
Taiwan Walker versus Yu Darvish uh, in Mets Padres, the opener. Chris obviously just got into it. He hid the matchup. He hid the matchup, though, which is very nice of him. Um, so with that being said, I'm definitely going to look at those those two going at it tonight. I know that Taiwan Walker, you know, he has a one, 184 ERA, and his, his underlying numbers are not as good. But nonetheless, it's still it's still not bad. I think his FIPs like in the mid threes. Um, right, he's been very, which good. is still acceptable. And then yeah. on Friday, um, you have Zach Greinke versus Hyunjin Ryu. I think that's pretty interesting because it's like Zach Greinke is basically uh, the right-handed Hyunjin Ryu and vice versa. They're basically the same type of pitcher, but they throw with different arms. And yeah. then uh, on the other side of that spectrum. You know, Granky versus Ryu, two older guys two who've still got it. And then in Dodgers-Braves, you got Julio Urias versus Ian Anderson, two younger guys who have been pretty successful uh, in the early stages of their careers. That's going to be going on on Friday. And then on Saturday, I'm looking at two particular matchups. The first one is Eduardo Rodriguez versus Jamison Tyon, which sounds a little weird because they both have ERAs in the fives, but they've both been pretty unlucky. Chris, can you uh, explain what Eduardo Rodriguez's expected ERA is, is this season? Um, I know it changes day by day based on like MLB data, but mm-hmm. uh, as of yesterday, his expected ERA was under three, and yeah. I would imagine it remains that way. And, it probably uh, does, and Jamison Tyon's is at a 381. So, I mean, they've both been pretty unlucky. They're going to be going up against each other to see whose luck is worse. And then later that night, you have Jacob deGrom versus Joe Musgrove. That really doesn't need much of an explanation. And then on Sunday, a lot of the matchups aren't exactly um, out yet, but I'd say one that I'd look at is Wade Miley versus John Gant. <laughs> just because, I mean, John Gant, I could do I could do a whole segment on just how ridiculous uh his season has been uh you have there will ne- you might never see a luckier stretch in your life than what john gant has done this year and wade miley uh you know he threw a no hitter this year uh he has a 3260 ra he's been exceptional given you know the kind of pitcher he is in this environment and john gant has just been incredibly incredibly lucky that'll finish off the reds cardinals series uh on sunday and also that series as a whole might just be interesting because i think it's the red. It's the first time the Reds have gone to St. Louis since the whole fight that happened in the first uh, series of the season. Right, that's correct. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe. So yeah, that should be interesting. Yeah, a lot of John, good baseball going on this weekend. Yeah, John Gant uh, is funny, like, because uh, you know last year our our you know volcano to look at was Dylan Cease, and by volcano we mean pretty good uh pretty good era but underlying numbers suggest something else that is the Stuck case with, that is the case with uh john gant i'm trying to look for his so let me i can just explain it so yeah. john gant has a 1.60 era and a 1.52 whip which doesn't happen uh in fact he is the first starting pitcher to have an ERA below 1.75 and a whip above 1.5 in any 10-game span since the earned run became an official stat in 1913. It's been 108 seasons since then, and John Gant's the only starting pitcher to have done been that lucky over that much of a consistent basis through 10 games. Uh, yeah, like, and uh, obviously you look into, now you now everyone uh, would be curious to see what his uh, numbers with like men on and runners in scoring position is. H- uh, hitters are 109 
hitters uh, are batting 109 against John Gant with runners in scoring position. Incredibly lucky. That's a 156 BABIP as well. So uh, that's mm-hmm. going to be brought up most likely. Uh, it's pretty crazy. He also yeah. has like six walks per nine too. He leads the league in walks. Uh, yeah. In yep. overall walks. Like it's, it's, an, it's, an, it's insane. It is absolute BS that he is still, you know, not getting absolutely shelled every outing because he should be. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, like it's crazy. It's I don't know how long we'll be able to keep it up, but man, it's astonishing to watch. And it's cra- uh, it, it's crazy because, uh, yeah, like we'd be come we're coming up around when the end of the regular season would be. Uh, would have been last, last year. Season. I wonder yeah. if he would get Cy Young votes from some of the. He probably would. Yeah. Yeah. Look at this average exit velocity, twenty third percentile. Ex woba, nineteenth percentile. Expected ERA, nineteenth percentile. Actual ERA is probably in like the ninety seventh percentile. Expected batting average of one eighteen. Strikeout rate of twelve percent. Chase rate fifth percent. Walk rate eighth percent. Fastball velocity sixteenth percent. Um, expected ERA of five ten. Four and a half runs worse than what it actually is. Like, geez. It's his crazy. walk rate is almost higher than his strikeout rate. Yeah. It's very close. Yeah, it's it's very yeah, he's 39 strikeouts, 34 walks. Like it's uh it's incredible. So yeah, he's he's our uh he's our pitcher uh, to watch this year. See Austin he... Meadows, Austin Meadows at a home run today. Yeah, I uh, that is your, I, how about that? I saw that. So yeah, by the way, all these stats are through June second. So, mm-hmm. uh, definitely these are not uh, updated. Uh, even 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 as this recording is going on, I, I would guess Meadows's uh, OPS since May thirteenth is now above twelve hundred again. So Probably. maybe you can get to seventeen twenty one, so we can tie Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Um, wouldn't that be something? It would be. It would be something. Very, very much so. And uh, yeah, I'm guessing at least another RBI or two from Meadows there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if it was solo or or a two-run homer. I think it was a two-run. All right. So yeah, there we go. 24 RBI in his last 18 games. I mean, let me still, just make sure. Still a machine out there for Meadows. Yeah, it was. It was. But uh, yeah, we we hope uh, we hope you enjoyed this one kind of a long one uh when we include uh kyle's question so it was good a good uh good amount of content for uh for the listeners if you're listening in on apple on apple podcast or spotify and want to watch the conversation as it happens go to our youtube channel and subscribe it is up it is uh, above replacement radio follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore gianta and follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel, daniel underscore curran and uh, follow the show and scream at above replacement radio for all the updates uh, for the show. And uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. And we hope to see you on Monday where we will, we will be discussing the uh, happenings of major league baseball. Once again, we will see you then. This conversation, this conversation is over. Is over.